You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeremy Shear. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a boutique agency that uses the art of conversation to showcase your special sauce and to help get your prospects to know, like, and trust you. Now, one of the biggest challenges for any B2B brand is coming across to your audience, not just as another vendor with something to sell, but as a curator of an experience and a provider of results. Now, there's no one way to do that, but one strategy that's been proven to work really well is creating a community with your audience. Here with me to discuss that concept is Lisa Atlinski. Lisa is founder and CEO of Three Dog Right and a content coach. Lisa is also the author and co-author of several really great books about marketing, and we're going to put links to all those books in the show notes. So Lisa, welcome to the show. It is so great to have you. Thank you, Jeremy. I'm so excited to be here. So let's get right into it. So first, when we talk about creating a community, what are we actually talking about? Like what kind of community? Yeah, so... I actually looked in my book before I got on Fiona Lucas, who's another member of my Rise community with Mark Schaefer. Her chapter talks about community. She talks about five core elements, but I honestly think you can simplify it to two. Like-minded people who come together for a common purpose. That's really it. So how are you bringing like-minded people together and what purpose are you inviting them in for the community? Now, you might say, well, I'm going to invite them in because I want to sell to them. Okay, that's certainly one aspect, but your community can be made up of several different types of people that will impact the experience and the conversation. Of course, it can be prospects, it can be clients, but it could be other influencers, other thought leaders in your industry, vendors that can support your community, that give other services that are adjacent to yours, but still help the community and the industry. So when we're talking about community and what it is, it really is about bringing a bunch of people together that help elevate the industry and help it be more innovative. And I got to add more resilient, right? Because stuff has been going sideways. So you want to help your industry and your community innovate and survive everything, including a zombie apocalypse in the future. And to me, that's the basis of what your community is. Specifically in a B2B context, right? If you're a a company and as part of your marketing strategy, you're like, okay, I want to create a community. You know, as you mentioned, one common kind of central thing could be trying to sell stuff to the people in the community. But That doesn't sound great to me. So that's not going to work, which means that you have to have some other rationale for people joining in in whatever it is that you're building. Let's say for your business, you're a content coach. What kind of community could you build or have you built, you know, around what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So you can think of an overarching community, like people who want to get better at marketing strategy or content creation for business development. That's certainly a macro community. And then within that, you can have micro communities, which is becoming more and more prevalent and more and more popular. You might have a micro community of business owners who have that overarching brand goal of creating content for business development, 
but also now want to band together because they want to create new legislation or they want to have a support group to talk about things that people are doing within their industry. Let's say it's like retail. What are some things that they that are coming down the pipeline? So you can have a micro community like that. You can have vendors that come in that do the same thing, that come together in smaller micro communities and micro influencers, but again, are still helping with the overall brand purpose. And I agree with you. If you're going to set up a community just to sell to them, you're not going to get anybody to join. And you can't have a community of one. <laughs> That's not a community. But if you right. are focused on how you can help solve problems, how you can provide a space for connection, not only with your brand, but within each other and conversation mm -hmm. that helps elevate everybody and helps everybody get better at whatever they need to and help them get to whatever success point they're trying to get to. Because that's really part of the community, right? Is I want to get something out of it. I have a problem yeah. that I need solved. I want to feel like I belong somewhere. I want to have support. I want to learn. Learning is a big, big driver of community. That desire to learn in order to, again, get better at whatever it is I want to get better at and move to that future success point. So that's how I use it. And that's how I coach my clients to use it that it's about how you can be relentlessly helpful and how you can bring people together so that they are able to help each other. They are able to be referral sources, connections, and share knowledge and tricks and technology so that everyone rises. That sounds exactly right. Yeah. I mean, the communities that I belong to pretty much do exactly that. That's the value. That's what's in it for me. Right. right? I know there's a group of people that... We are all entrepreneurs or whatever, and I know I can turn to them with a question and people will are very generous with their time and will help out. And also, it is kind of a safe haven from being constantly pitched. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because that'll get squashed immediately. <laughs> and rightly so. I mean, no one wants right. to be sold well, to. Think, yeah. So, I mean, that would seem like another important part of a community that not only right up front is it made clear that's not what this is about, but that's actually enforced. Yes. Yeah. Right. Although I do have to comment that there is a tendency now with some groups, communities where they have gone wildly in the other direction and they want you to only mm. talk about, I say superficial or very, very basic things. And that to me is too much to the other degree. What are you doing within your community to provide value? And for some people providing value is they want to know more about what you provide in terms of your business, mm -hmm. which isn't selling. If they ask you, oh, I understand that you're a content coach. Tell me more about that. And you talk about that yeah. and they're like, oh crap, that's something I could use. That's a value. If you have moderators yeah. that are like, don't, pitch anything, don't talk about business at all, then to, in my mind, then you're missing the opportunity to provide knowledge and value regardless. And there are ways within the community that you can highlight and showcase your expertise, what you are known for yeah. without it feeling spammy and gross. <laughs> Instead of saying, yeah. here are my content coaching programs, you can say someone asks you a question, 
That's a great question. And another client of mine actually had a similar question. I, I'd love to tell you what I told them. And then you share your knowledge. That's a way of sharing your knowledge and your expertise and highlighting how you can help people without making it salesy. You're still providing value, you're still supporting, and you're still having that conversation. Great point. Like a community that bans that to the point where you can't even really talk about business. Like what's the point? Right. That's just a social group. Right. Right. So I think as long as it's structured in a way, so there, there's like a time and a place to do a little self-promotion. And the litmus test I like to do, because sometimes I can fall into that salesy. I mean, that's it's natural. Yeah. I think about, yeah. am I providing something that person would find valuable? Not what I believe is valuable, but what they could find valuable. And a lot of times is you let them ask for what they need. Instead of guessing, how can mm -hmm. I support you? How can I be a referral source? Tell me a little bit about what you do so that I can see if there's a way that I can be of service to you. That's a great conversation to have. And it's letting them know, I want to see how I can support you and provide value. And I can always share what I do. But as long as I'm thinking in terms of my audience and what they need, that's much different than, well, I'm going to just decide to share a bunch of stuff with you. Good point. And sort of being intentional about that. Yes. And, and just making that a practice goes a long way towards being a, a good member of the community. Yes, for sure. absolutely. So Let's talk about the how. How do you create a community? What does it look like? Yeah. So if you remember back in the day, we used to say that community were um, our email lists and the monthly newsletters we sent out to our email list. And let's go back to what we were talking about, what a community is. If I am sending out emails every week and it's a one-way conversation, that to me is just another way to be very salesy because I'm just spewing my features and benefits at you. I'm not saying that it can't have value, but a lot of people will say, well, I have an email list. That's my community. And it's like, is there a two-way conversation? Are you providing connection between those people on the email list? Or is it just a one-way conversation? So I look at it that when we're looking at creating community and how we do it, what platforms are we using? to bring those people together. This book that I helped co-create and co-write is a perfect example of creating a community and then a micro community. So Mark Schaefer brought everyone together for his uprising conference. He does a conference every April in that he said, it'd be nice to do something also online because this is limited to 30 people and I'd like to open up to more people where we're able to actually communicate and connect. So we went on Discord and he created a Rise community. And within that Rise community of several hundred people, and again, he just found a platform and invited people into it and allowed them to kind of decide what conversation, what the transformation would be. In that, someone was like, it'd be so cool to write a book with you, Mark. And Mark's like, huh. That's an interesting idea. Let's explore it. And so when we're in our RISE community, there's actually different, again, these micro communities, different subcategories about podcasting tips, marketing tips, the Uprising Conference, the RISE Book Project. So 
again, it's finding the platforms that work and inviting people into it. And that's where you could actually use your email list to invite people into a private Facebook group or a LinkedIn group that you create or join one of those groups and contribute. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you create yourself. You could actually join mm. other groups because there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of them out there. It's just looking around, exploring and seeing yeah. not only where the platforms are, but where are my like-minded people? I like yeah. to also call it your target rich environment, that people that can support mm -hmm. you, that can be referral sources for you, that you can provide value to, and who potentially could be a customer, whether in a day or a decade, but that's not your primary focus. And I mean, LinkedIn has so many groups now, it's kind of bananas. I tend to shy away from really large communities because it's very hard to find that connection and that conversation. I prefer smaller communities mm -hmm. that are rich in conversation, rich in support, like the Rise community for the book that, you know, that we co-authored rather than a group that has hundreds of thousands of people who join it, which is interesting because three years ago, I wouldn't want to be in smaller groups. And now I'm like, nah, it's better to be in smaller groups. I'd rather have more connection mm. and have that sense of belonging than being just in a yeah. sea of, you know, it's kind of like, do I go to a really large state university for school or do I go to a smaller mm. school? And if I go to a large state university, what do I do? I join organizations like I go into their Greek system or I join some kind of athletic group mm -hmm. or I join a music group or what have you. So again, you could do it already. So it's a question of finding that community, either establishing it yourself or joining one that's already there. For sure. Right. Like you said, there's so many existing communities. Yeah. That it might make sense. It sounds like probably if you're interested in creating a community, the first thing to do if you haven't already is join one, participate and see what that's like. Yes. Kind of get a sense of how it works. And then you at least have a model that yes. you can work with. And you can do micro communities within that larger community. You could, I don't want to yeah. say become a faction and break out, but <laughs> you could, in fact, talk to people and have a smaller group. Maybe you find out that several people are local and you want to have a local meetup or mm -hmm. you find a, mm -hmm. a niche within a niche of what people want to do or something that you have in common. And you pull into a smaller community where you have outside of like a LinkedIn group, you have a Zoom call or something else. There are so many options available to you. But like you said, the first step is join something, see how it is, see what you like about it, see what you don't like about it, and try to make those connections. Yeah, for sure. You know, like one thing I've learned from the community that I joined not that long ago, and I might as well give a shout out, it's called First Gen Entrepreneurs. And a shout out to Andrew McIntosh, who's very active on LinkedIn, and he's created this great community. And I mean, a couple observations. One, and this is kind of obvious, but in any case, like you get out of it what you put in. Yes. So just joining doesn't do a lot. You have to then actively participate as within reason as much as you can. And that's where you get the value. And then the more you participate, other people connect with you and so on. And for me, I found it's like just the, the 
taking things as far as you can with people, not just interacting online, but reaching out and say, hey, let's jump on a Zoom chat. Right. You know, for those one-on-one chats, yeah. like that's what really takes it to the next level. Yes, yes. And you really get to know people and doing it more than once with people. That's just how it works, right? To really become friends or get to know people. You have to invest quite a bit of time and energy, but if, at least for me personally, I found it really does pay off. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And that one-on-one interaction is so vital. And I also want to say, yeah. so Fiona calls them lurkers in her chapter, the lurkers who are in the community, but don't seem to engage, they're still listening. Yeah. They're still processing. Right. They'll still using only. And I read a statistic somewhere that only about 10 to 12% of your entire community are going to be the active voices within the community. And that's okay. Yeah. The other groups are still mm-hmm. gaining something out of it. What you don't want to do is make your conversations and your content leverage towards those active ones and forget about the lurkers in the background because the lurkers are actually the ones that are really driving the community. And when they do pipe up, they often have something really profound to say. And it's important to pay attention to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a really good point. I think on LinkedIn, there's some statistic I saw out of the however many millions of profiles, it's like less than 2% or something of people actually regularly post or yes. comment. And the rest are what you would call lurkers. Yeah. And, you know, it's just good to know that. Right. Right. That people are out there and they might just be observing and you never know when just the right person is going to catch your post or whatever. Right. Exactly. And then, and then maybe connect. With you. Yeah. And, you know, um, the, the other thing the that other, I, oh, sorry, the other thing yeah. that I was thinking about is community can be defined in so many ways now. One of the people that I follow that I'm friends with, Ryan Patel, he's a CNN contributor. He has his own show. He has hundreds of thousands of followers, but I do interact with him quite a bit on his posts. And I feel like I'm a part of his community, even though there's no real official group. He does a LinkedIn newsletter. I get shout outs a lot in that because I do always look at his content and I do support him like I would in any type of community. So don't feel that you have to join a group to have that sense of community. If there's an influencer or someone that you consider in your industry or North Star, follow them, see what they say, and then support them, comment on what they say, and not just great job, but actually post something that shows that you thought about it or you have an opinion, even if it's a different one or a slightly spaced out one. It's okay, but start to have those conversations. And that to me can be another form of community because again, it's about bringing people together for a common purpose so that they can connect and have conversation and take some sort of an action. Yeah, that's a great suggestion, right? I mean, it definitely works that way on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you approach it with the right mindset of generously offering your thoughts and ideas and opinions, you know, in in kind of a regular way. Yes. Which is just a good thing to do anyhow, right? For your own knowledge and just like putting yourself out there a little bit, but right. You do that long enough and you'll start to recognize names and people will start to recognize your name. And in, in, right, like you say, in a kind of informal way, you're now kind of part of this group that's talking about this stuff. Yeah. And you might see them at a conference or see them in another setting because a lot of this proliferates, right? 
So, you know, if you're able to connect yeah. in one area, you can connect in multiple areas. Yeah. So what's the main takeaway for our listeners? I think, I mean, we kind of covered it, but number one, get out there and try something. <laughs> Take some sort of an action, whether mm -hmm. it is joining a community, commenting on an influencer post, put yourself out there and engage and see what you get back. You'd be surprised at the level of connection and conversation you can have, not only with the person who runs either, you know, it's their blog post, their LinkedIn post, their community, but also the people who are part of that community to see what transpires, what connection you get. And when you are posting, when you are creating content, always think in terms of what is a valuable, what is a value to the person who is reading it, listening to it, interacting with it. Am I providing value to someone with either a different take on something, something in terms of my knowledge that that might be unique to the conversation because of my experiences, a connection that I have where I'm like, hey, I know so-and-so, I'd be happy to make an introduction. Whatever that is, how can you be relentlessly helpful to those individuals? Because once you do that, once you showcase that, you're going to get stuff back. It's, it's inevitable because like you said, you're investing in the relationship and people purchase from people they know and trust. Yep. hundred percent. That's a, that's kind of a business cliche, but it's a hundred percent true. Yeah. It's just the way that it works. And the more you give, the more eventually you'll get back. Yes. Yes. Which, you know, can be hard to wrap your head around a little bit. I've gone through that, especially if, you know, you're an entrepreneur and like starting a business, it's so hard and you're like desperate for clients and like, you're just thinking about your own stuff all the time. Right. But with messaging, it cannot be about you. And you know, a trick or a tip that my publisher, Henry DeVries gave me, which I thought was brilliant. If there are associations that you can join, there's an industry association, a trade mm -hmm. association, and then once you join, volunteer to be on something within the association where they need the most help mm. is always membership. Nobody wants to volunteer for membership. Yeah. No one wants to make calls about membership. But if you're calling people who could potentially be um, prospects, but you're calling them because you're trying to talk to them about becoming a member for an association and the value they could get out of that, that's a very different conversation than hey, I'm selling XYZ and I'd like to talk to you. It's helping them to be successful, to get from where they are now to where they want to go. And that can show up in different forms. And I thought that was ingenious that you are showing how you can be helpful to the industry and volunteering your time to make these calls for the association. And people remember that. They remember you. They remember the conversations they had. And then later on, they're like, oh, I could use someone for XYZ. And this person was really helpful with the association and membership. Let me make a connection. You get it back in spades. Yeah. You get it back in spades for sure. What a great idea. I know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. Yeah. Well, yeah. These associations are always looking for volunteers. Right? Always. always. And they never have enough people on membership. No one wants to do membership outreach. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> And if you're like, I'll right. do it, 
right. they're going to remember that for sure. For sure. Wow. Great idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, one more question. How can people connect with you? What's the best way? They can either email me at lisa at threedogright.com. So that's the number three, dog, D-O-G, right? Like right with a pen, W-R-I-T-E.com. Mm -hmm. They can follow me on LinkedIn. I am the only Lisa Apolinsky. <laughs> so it's easy to find me. And they can go to my website, threedogright.com. If they want to find the phone number or email, you know, I, and again, I love having conversations and I'm always here to support community and support business owners so that they can have the success that they want. Excellent. Okay. So listeners, as always, we'll put all that information in the show notes and I can vouch. We did a prep call for this episode. We had a chat just to chat. So I've spent a good deal of time with Lisa and it's, it's really super fun. And, you know, if you're at all into marketing, any of that stuff, Lisa really knows her stuff. So definitely reach out. Lisa, thank you so much for contributing to the podcast. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. This was awesome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me on. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.